my mic's not on. <laughs> Welcome back, Zen Parenting Radio. We had audio <laughs> difficulties. Audio difficulties, everybody. Uh, this is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 295. On today's show, we're going to talk about something hardy. <laughs> I don't like that word, I hardy. know you don't. But something, we're, I'm going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about fear. Ooh. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. <laughs> Um, and we're talking about the conference that we just finished up um, this weekend. Thanks to everybody who showed up. Ooh, yes. And I have a listener's question and maybe a few other things. Who knows? So, but um, always remember our motto, sweetheart, yes. which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And there was a lot of people, including me and you, feeling outstanding this weekend. Yeah, I still feel outstanding. So most people know what the conference was, but can you just summarize what it was for our listeners? Well, it was the Zen Parenting Let's Get Real Conference, and the whole idea of it was to bring together a bunch of people and focus on what's working and focus on what's good in the world and recognize our own power and just remember who we are. We get so lost and we forget how powerful we are and how how love is really the only, it's, it's the only thing we need. Um, and what what it was, aside from everything you just said, is we had eight or nine speakers from uh-huh. all over the country, most of Chicago, but a few people from the West Coast and the East Coast came to speak, and we had 14 vendors, and we had over 200 people show up for this 24-hour event, less a night yeah. of sleep. we kind of figured that out, that we started at 6 p.m. on Friday, and we ended at 6 p.m. on Saturday, so minus sleep, we were together for 24 hours. And Kathy and I are humbled by the amount of people that showed up and the love that was in the room, and it exceeded our expectations, I know. including our expectations for the audiovisual to work without a hitch. <laughs> it was the only thing. Dale. And you know what? I- Dale. <laughs> Dale was a nice guy. He's a nice He was audio doing tech. the best he could do. What are the odds of Dale listening to this show? He's not listening to the show, but he did the best he could do. And he was so, um, af- after he realized he didn't understand everything, he was so thoughtful about approaching me and saying, can you help me out? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he wasn't trying to hurt anything. But my girlfriends from college kept saying that that I was, my eyes looked angry when I looked at him. And I was like, I'm not trying to be angry. I just wanted to make sure he and I right. were on the same page because... I tried to uh, take over for you. Yes, and you couldn't. I couldn't because I didn't put the videos together. I didn't know what was going on. I so. kind of knew, you know, Todd and I had different jobs and my, I kind of was planning the time and the video and the music and so I was in charge of the flow and when people were going to talk and blah blah. and so nobody could so everybody kept trying to take that over for me because they they were like go talk to people and I'm like you can't take this over this is mine so what was your highlight of the conference oh I just love hugging everybody and I know that sounds really cheesy it's just when you see people it was like I met new people I met people who listen to the show um uh hugging our speakers hugging my friends from school. My family was there. Like I just felt when you talk about feeling full, I felt full in the most literal way. Like there was so much, um, there was so, it was goodness and there was nothing in that environment that could take away from that goodness. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of ego. There wasn't a lot of like what's in it for me. We were kind of all on the same, a little community of goodness for a weekend. Yeah. 
And it was wonderful. And we're going to do it next year. Yeah. Even though we didn't know for sure if we were, because we wanted to do one before we committed to a second one, but it was just too good not to try again. I said to Todd like two months ago, because we've been working on it for so long. I said, honey, I don't know if I can commit to doing this every year. Because our initial plan was let's do this every year. Yeah. And I was like, it's I can't imagine being done with this weekend and then starting again. And it's, we've, already we've already started. Like yeah. it's, it's too good. And... Um, there's just too much benefit that comes out of it, not just for us, but I think in the big picture of the world, the ripple effect of it. Yeah. So. Oh, I I don't know if I can call this person out by name, but the man who yeah. attended the conference, who is now a friend of mine, I didn't know him beforehand. He says he listens to his show with his lovely wife and he is a homicide detective in California. Mm-hmm. And I would love to say his name, but I don't want to just in case he doesn't want me to. And he said, I just want you to know that your show makes a difference in how I do my job. And I'm a homicide detective, so I'm dealing with a lot of people who are really troubled. And I do things um, with a little bit more peace and kindness because I listen to your show. And he just wanted me to know that there's a ripple effect that I don't even realize. And honestly, I think that was my favorite part of the whole weekend. And those those are the kind of stories that fill you up because you realize that basically... What Todd and I know for sure about this show is we're not telling you anything new. Mm-hmm. We're just reminding you what you who you already are and what the world already is. So it's not new information. And so to have people come up to us and say, I realize who I am or I've I've decided to focus on these parts of myself or I am treating my children differently because of the what I hear on this show and what I realize about myself. I heard so many stories like that, that how can you not feel like, because then you just got to think about the ripples of that. You know, they, they remember who they are. And so they treat their spouse and children different. Their spouse treats people at work different. Their children t- treat people different on the playground and so on and so on and so on. And I said to Todd that the power of that reminds me how the opposite yeah. is true too and how when we there was some negativity uh there was some things going on in Chicago at the exact same time as our conference um which was interesting because it was like yeah. 15 miles away yeah the the whole Trump thing at UIC was going on in the city and you think about that kind of um and again the protesters were peaceful so it's not about that there was some big riot it was just that they're they're sometimes at those um he he creates a lot of negativity. And when you put that out in the world and what kind of effect that has. Yeah, that has negative ripples. Exactly. And we kind of, in my mind, before we started, I thought, well, maybe this conference, there's a balancing effect somehow in a small way. Yeah. Um, You know, and that's that's our work. Yeah. How can, and not our, not just you and I, but each one of us, how can each one of us create the ripple that makes everyone's lives smoother? Mm -hmm. True that. Um, so we good with the conference or do you want to say anything more about it? Um, you know, we'll probably come up with things as we go, as we go. But I think for the most part, I just wanted to say thank you to our speakers. And I wanted to say thank you to our partners and to our backers and to our friends and our family and our volunteers and, our volunteers and all of you fantastic listeners who came. I want you to know that every single one of you means something to us and every conversation we had was meaningful. And, um, thank you. And I want to thank our first partner of this podcast, okay. Dr. Kelly from Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. And her website is chirotree.com. Healthy families by choice, not by chance. Yes. So what do you got cooking about fear? So the 
I talked, I did a short little thing at the end of the conference. A short was, little awesome thing. Thank you. Well, it was, um, I purposefully wanted to end the conference because I knew I was going to do something a little different and not have a typical talk. Um, but I talked a little bit about fear. Uh, I talked about my own experience with fear, like the first time I really felt a deep sense of fear, which was brought on by the movie Halloween. And there was a few things that I... <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. actually Friday Thirteenth, sweetie. I know. You know what? Play Halloween music, the All Halloween right. music, because it in itself carries an energy. That's yeah, there's so something to be said yucky. about um, the that piano. I know, and someone can play that. I remember there was someone who kept playing. There's probably it. lots of people that can play. I know. You somebody, mean somebody we know? I know somebody our, in our we know who was playing it on our piano, but I can't remember who it was. And I was like, please quit playing that in my house. Right. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty creepy. Oh, and they, on the YouTube clip, they got um, his picture in the upper right-hand corner. Of course they do. Mike. So here's the thing. Do you think who who started, who made up this song was thinking, I need something scary? Or yes. they heard the song, like, hey, that sounds kind of creepy. No, because if they somebody had to write it in the first place, it was made for the movie. Oh. How do you know it wasn't made a year before the movie? <laughs> Maybe it was. But this is what I wanted to say. Yeah, you can what turn you it off. Is that, you know, again, sometimes when Todd and I speak at these kind of things, we really don't know what we're going to say before we go up there. We kind of have a, an outline, but we just kind of do what whatever comes. So I don't know exactly what I said to everybody. I hope it was good. It was really good. But what I wanted to make sure that I focused in on was that it wasn't as if watching Halloween then created all the fear in me. What it did is it opened up that door. Triggered it maybe? Triggered it and made me afraid and therefore gave me a different lens of how I looked at certain things. So it wasn't, you always have fear, you know what I mean? But it was something that really was um, extremely triggering and then caused me to look at things differently. And I think what it was, was the idea of evil. Mm. You know, and that I I believe people are born good. Me too. Uh, but I well I believe it in the deepest part of my heart. But there's this really there's just this discomfort with evil. It's why. Um, so when you say evil, are you thinking like scary movie evil or like real life on the news evil or both? Both. They're all. It's hard to separate them because things that happen in the world that I don't understand that kind of evil and the um, the story of Halloween is a guy. Who And again, it's a fictional story, but this is why it bothered me so much. He was a real man in the story, in the mm-hmm. fictional story, who, as a little boy, killed his sister yeah. and then grew up, escaped from a mental institution and wanted to kill his other sister. Yeah, this, not- is, this, to me, did not make sense. It's one thing to have a scary ghost or a blah, 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 but that whole concept of evil was like – and I was at an age where I was very – that's what happens in pre-adolescence and in adolescence when you become a teenager is you start to – understand the world differently. A lot of your magical thinking starts to go away. You become more abstract and you start to understand that bad things happen Yeah, and you start to have had experiences. Yeah. Your brain matures to the point of an understanding that you wouldn't even be able to have as a younger person. Exactly. And so that's kind of, that was the instigation. But then what it caused was for me to 
just look at things like, oh my gosh, what if something bad did happen? Or what if what if this did happen? And it got to that like deeper core of me where I really had to start looking at fear. And as I said in my my talk, I talked about how I actually did a science project about fear and and fear became something that I was deeply interested in. And that and I still am. That's why I do what I do for a living. Um, but what I realized is that when you really start to look at fear and you start to break it down, it is not – it's usually something that happened to you along the way or a story that you heard along the way or something that you assumed in a situation that wasn't true that is then giving rise to some kind of voice in you that is not – helpful. And it's kind of like the neurotic roommate in mm-hmm. The Untethered Soul. It's like a running tape of things that could happen. The file, you know, as Marianne Williamson says, the file in your brain of all the things that could happen versus what is really happening in present time. Um, perfect. What does fear stand for? The acronym, remember? Yes. Go ahead. You have it in front of you. False evidence appearing, appearing real. real. So just that in itself, I think that's something that shifts around that pre-adolescent time where you start to become kind of rational or irrational, depending on how you look at it, how you start to take in all this information that you've, that you, you know, things you've seen in life, you start to see things differently and you start to see that bad things could happen. The question is the, the part of ourself that we want to strengthen, the muscle we want to strengthen is, is that true? Just because something could happen, is it really true? And that is the work of Byron Katie, you yeah. know, the whole idea of we, when we have a fear that comes up in our head, can we question it? You know, can we say, is that happening right now? Is that something I need to focus my energy on? And that is a muscle in itself. That can be a challenge. Now, the other thing I wanted to say is I think it's really important, no matter what age you are, to have a curiosity about fear okay. is when you are feeling afraid, instead of to push it away and say, oh, I don't want to be afraid or I'm not going to be afraid or I'm going to be more powerful than my fear. Overcoming. You can. Why not accept that you're afraid and become curious about what you're afraid of? Because I was actually reading something Elizabeth Gilbert wrote. She writes a lot about fear and big magic. But one of the things that she talks about is when you really start to be curious about your fear and look at it, you'll recognize it really has the same theme over and over and over again. What I've recognized in my life with fear is the theme is, will I be loved? Will I be accepted? Will I be abandoned? And I don't think I'm very unique in right. that. Right, and that's pretty deep. I will go one layer, not below, but above. Like my fear is we have three girls going to college uh-huh. at some point probably, and it's going to cost a ton of money. And my fear is not being able to have enough. So, But if you want to go one layer below that, it's not me not having enough money to pay for college. It's who am I as a man if, an, if I cannot send my daughters to a good college or keep a house over our head or, you know, things like that. So you can keep going layer by layer beneath it. And I was going to say, I'd go a layer beneath that. And you have an assumption there is a fear in you that the world is not abundant enough Mm -hmm. for you. So you're exactly right. It's not that everything you said isn't true. It's that there's layers and layers. You can almost always continue to drill down. And that is the fear research that I'm talking about that I've done in my life is that I'm not necessarily doing research like a you know a, a PhD kind of research. Right. I don't want to like take polls of people and what I I just in my own personal life when fear comes in 
the best thing I can do is look at it. Right. And what I find is, number one, it's usually very old, which means it's not true. Number two, it's based on a past experience that's not happening right now. Number three, it's based on a worry that is unjustified and doesn't help me. And once you start to realize what that fear is, you start to my, – my thing with fear now, especially if I'm in a good quiet place, in a good meditative place, literally in a meditation, is to be very loving toward it. Like, wow, that is a part of me that was hurt or misunderstood when I was little that is still crying out for attention. Mm-hmm. It is still – afraid of what's coming. It is still afraid that something could go wrong. And the more I love that part and accept it and look at it, the more integrated I become. So fear isn't always a bad thing. Well, and you might even go as far as saying it's actually, you know, there's a place for fear too. Yes. Not only is it not a bad thing, it actually helps you. It's okay to be afraid of getting hit by a car by walking into the street, things like that. It's a protection where it throws you off is when it's false evidence appearing real. Exactly. Like there's a real worry that if you jump onto North Avenue in the middle of rush hour, that you might actually get hit by a car. But if I'm fearful of having that done when I'm sitting on this chair, that's ridiculous. Yes. And there is that, um, you know, people will often ask, how do I differentiate between my intuition and about the the running tape in my head? How do I, di-? you know, a lot of people question like what's intuitive and what is the running tape and the pain body and all that kind of stuff. And it's the same with fear that in a moment you may become afraid because in that moment, like Todd said, there's a car coming or in that moment someone is chasing you or in, you know, in that moment something has happened and your fear literally it you know, gives you adrenaline you. To, to, it's a means of survival. Exactly. It, it sends whatever juice to the brain to push you into cortisol. action. Yeah. yeah. It just gets everything going, adrenaline rush. You call it cortisol. I call it juice in the brain, sweetie. <laughs> go ahead Go ahead and use your, your fancy your dancy fancy terms. words. Well, and so, and that allows you to stay safe. The problem we have is when the running tape is telling us that we are constantly needing to run and we are constantly needing to move at that pace and that we do have something to fear every single minute, which we don't. So let's pick apart Yoda real quick. Okay. Fear leads to anger. How does fear lead to anger? Well, fear, if you're afraid of something, then you want to fight against it. See. You want to turn against it. You win. Well, let's just talk about something going on in our country. We are afraid of things, differences. Mm-hmm. And because we are afraid of the differences, we decide that it's important to push away or hate. As a means of quote unquote protection. Protection and solving. This is the other problem. We think that'll solve our fear. Right. Really, if we went below all of those layers of people are different than me, we would start to recognize that that's not a problem. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? We would start to say, well, you know, if people are different than me, then I need to become educated. I need to understand what makes me uncomfortable with differences. I need to question what people told me about differences. I'll give you a great example. One of our speakers at the conference um, was Carrie Lynch, who made a tremendous impact. Yeah. Um, she was one of my faves. Yes. And she um, has a Facebook page called My Mary Kate, and she is a teacher and an advocate. And she goes out to schools and, you know, like our conference and, you know, 
children and parents. She goes out and talks to them about um, choosing kindness and acceptance because her daughter, her oldest daughter, was born with something called Apert syndrome, which gives her a different physical appearance. Mm. So she is out helping kids and parents understand that we're all the same, that just because she appears different is not a big deal. Well, an example she gives when she decided to start doing this work is when one time she was at the grocery store and she was with Mary Kate and a little child came down the you know aisle of the grocery store and said something to the effect of what's wrong with that baby she looks weird well the parent came in and swooped up the kid and ran away mm-hmm. instead of like dealing with that yeah addressing ex- it addressing using it, it as a teachable moment she got out of there. And that was because of her fear, or we could call it social anxiety. And again, a lot of us have it. Even Carrie was like, I may have been like that before. You know, a lot of us have that fear. And so what she did is she passed that fear to her child. Now her child, when he or when he sees differences, will have that feeling of, oh, this is something I need to- equals remove myself. Remove myself. I need to get away. I need to make this different. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of, um, uh, what was the question you asked? Something about fear, uh, fear leads to anger. anger. And anger is the pushing away and the I'm uncomfortable with this and this needs to be different kind right. of feeling. And then the anger leads to hate is kind of easy. And then Simple. the he- hate leads to suffering that's even easier. Exactly. So it's just that first jump, fear to anger. But uh, anyways, that's Yoda. Well, anytime, it really is, I love that because anger, as we talk about a lot on this show, is that second tier emotion, right? Because a lot of times when we're embarrassed, that leads to anger. When we're afraid, that leads to anger. Sometimes when we're very sad, that can lead to anger, unless we deal with the emotion in its most um, essential form. If we don't, then it can become anger. And then, like you said, it trickles down. So I um, I wanted to just kind of bring that wide open because I know I didn't really get a chance in my short talk to get so deep about it because I think that understanding our fear and looking at our fear is what makes us free. Mm. And I think that for me, I still have, that doesn't mean that I'm not afraid anymore. That the fact that I look at it doesn't mean I don't get afraid. I still have the same triggers. You know, Todd makes fun of me because he'll say something to me, and my first response is some kind of like fear, yeah. you know, ridden response. My- well, you talked about on Friday night. You told a story about how when your when our daughters say something uh, to you that is um, maybe not the easiest information to get, your initial reaction, your snap reaction is you get this look of fear on your face yes. for like a half a second. Yes. And then you catch yourself and yes. whatever. So you ended up, what did you end up doing to help our daughter not have to see this look of fear when she has- So with JC, I ended up, because she was able to communicate with me that she didn't like the look on my face a lot of times when I, she would tell me things, is we started writing things to each other. You know, if she That really- way you'd still get the look on your face, but it'd be while you're reading something not in front of her. Yeah. I, thought that's, I think that's genius. Yeah. Well, writing, what, what I love about that is sometimes we can look at communication in different ways is- um, we think that the only way to communicate is if we're like across from each other, looking each other in the eyes and talking, you know, using our words. And um, Shafali talked about that that we this weekend too, the whole idea of our kids have to use their words all the time. That's not true. Yeah. They don't always have to use their words. There are times when it's good that they don't use words and that they have some kind of 
cry or laughter or something else first. I was talking to one of your friends at dinner on Saturday night, and I'm not going to name which one just because she may not want me to name out, but she's like, I'm ha- I have two kids, and the one I'm having um, where communication is great. Yeah. But the other one, uh, I try to talk to him, and I try to talk to him, and he just doesn't want to talk back. And I said, well, maybe... That's not his language. That's not the way he... Maybe his language is not words. I said, is there anything else? And I started going through the love languages. Like, does he like touch? Does he like gifts? And she's like, oh my gosh, he likes touch. And I haven't been doing that. Instead, I've been trying to connect with him using, you know, wonderful mommy wisdom. And he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So if you have a kid and you're trying to connect with him, I mean, this is a little bit tangential, but you're trying to connect with your kid and it's not working. And that happens to all of us. Try a different tactic. Right. Speak in a different love language, whether it's words or acts or physical touch or gifts or quality time. Those are the five. So basically what you're describing is that we have to broaden our understanding of communication. Correct. Because when we think the only way we can communicate is by exchanging of words, mm-hmm. then it limits us to just being present with each other. Or it limits, like you said, physical touch and hugging. Mm-hmm. It limits... Um, You know, like, it's funny that you say that because, like, again, at the conference, the way that I could show the greatest gratitude toward people because it felt right to me was really good hugs. Yeah. Like, if I could sit there and stand there and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, but a hug for me means so much more and I hope gets across my gratitude so much more. There are many, many ways to communicate. And so point in that is going back to JC and writing to her, who cares if it's on paper versus... and, And the thing is, is I don't do that much anymore, which demonstrates that we've kind of moved... Yeah, that was a phase. That was a phase. And she might get back into that right. phase. And I'm open to it. Yeah, you got to have as many tools in your to- your parenting toolbox as you can. And those five love languages are wonderful tools to have if you're not connecting, especially like if you have a teenager, a 13 or a 14-year-old, and they're just shutting down, but they let you rub his or her feet, yeah. or they let you rub, uh, you know, scratch his or her back. Yeah he or she is still getting that love yes, and they don't want to talk. That's right. And that's a very natural thing. So, And sometimes that's not, you know, it's funny. One thing uh, that happened at the end of the conference is our daughters were there the whole time and they were fantastic. I think they had a really good time. But our eight-year-old at the end of Saturday was just at her limit. She she was wiped. Many reasons. One of them being she hadn't eaten and that was our bad. Um, So at a parenting conference that we were hosting, we forgot to feed our kid. (laughs) Not just one meal. I think there was two meals in there that we kind of forgot No, we about. did morning. Yeah, she had two bacon gouda sandwiches yeah, we took from care Starbucks. Of yeah, but by Thanks, the time, Carolyn Rogers. Yes, thank you, Rogers family. But by the end of the day, she was just beat and she would not let go of me. And it was like five o'clock and every, you know, I'm trying to like finish up with people who flew in to see us. And what did we do? We sent her to the gift shop. I took her to the gift shop. Well, it took a while to get there. This is, I mean, because what I wanted to say before yeah, we get ahead. to that point was I kept trying to use words. Yes. I kept trying to say, we're going to go home in an hour. I was using, you guys, I was using the things I tell you not to do. Right. I was like, um, honey, we only have one more hour and then we're done. You can sleep in tomorrow. You can, I was giving her all these things for future yeah. that she could care less, less about. about. And so finally, it was like 5.15 and I said, what if t- your dad takes you to the gift shop and you just pick out something to eat? I don't care what it is. Like I literally at that point, I was like, have bars of chocolate yeah. for all I care. Just and guess what she got? Stomach. What? Bars of chocolate. Bars of chocolate. <laughs> Actually, she- I knew that because when she showed back up in a good mood, yeah. she had chocolate all along the side. So of the in that immediate short term, we did what we had to do. Like we had, I had two choices because I said, you know, you help me, but 
basically one of us had to figure something out. You figured it out right. because the only other option was what she wanted to do is go up in the hotel room and me to just kind of lay with her. Right. And this is, you know, we have 200 people that came to kind of be together and yes. see us. And it just was not something I was willing to do in right. that moment. So sometimes you have to do things that are in the in the short term really good but long term is it good for a kid to have a bar of chocolate who hasn't eaten much since the morning <laughs> it wouldn't be no. ideal but it it worked for that moment yeah you got to be flexible and when i say worked she just needed to eat period and she was so far gone that you know broccoli is not going to work yeah. you know it, it needed to be like instant and once she ate you know then she was good she's like i'm back um but i i say that because the whole communication thing that i was trying to communicate with her with my skill set which is words and she was not in a words place yeah. so you have to figure out another way you know if it be that you carried her around for a little bit i carried her for a, around you know she'd been separated from her parents for yeah. like a day and a half and even though she could see us yeah it's almost more frustrating. It's almost more frustrating. There they are, but they're busy talking to these strangers who I don't know. Actually, this was an interesting moment. I didn't get to go to Dr. Rowley's talk, but she talked about sensitive children. And Kathy Richardson had gone to that mm. one, uh, Kathy, who was our singer. Um, and she was telling me afterwards about it. And she, Scott, at that point, we were staying in the hallway and Skyler kept like, you know when kids like lean into you? Like they, they are just kind of like pushing into you, almost like you're talking and they're like on your leg kind of pushing yeah, into you. Yeah, can't stand it. Yeah, well, Kathy said, Dr. Rowley just talked about that. Oh, and really? kids do that to like get a sense of grounding. Mm. You know, they do that because they're trying to connect with you yeah. because they feel disconnected. And we, like you said, get annoyed or we're like, quit pushing into me. The only thing worse than that is when my kids have an uncanny ability to be in front of me while I'm trying to walk Todd, somewhere. it's the same thing. Really? They're trying to kind yeah. of cut you off like so they that, intuitively know where like even if i like turn left they'll they without it they have eyes in their back of their head yeah yeah and it's the most frustrating thing ever for me i know can't stand it i know but anyway so i i guess the the thing that i would say to kind of close this this conversation about fear is just the more curious we are about it, the more we're willing to look at it, the more we're willing to be honest about what we're afraid of. Because it took me a long time to admit to myself and then to eventually to Todd that I was, that I felt lonely sometimes and that that was a fear for me and that I had a fear of being misunderstood. And once I really got to those, those painful, like core levels, then it's not that I never get afraid anymore, but it doesn't quite have the impact it used to. Yeah, you're not. I, if you wish it away, that's impossible because if you do it, you're just going to give it more strength. Exactly. But what you can do is maybe let a little bit of the air out of the balloon. Because you know what? It's part of me, Todd. Mm -hmm. You know, there are fears that are part of you. They're like, uh, it's like we have, the way we'd say it is we have many selves inside of us. Right. And there is a part of me based on whatever history I had, experiences, misunderstandings, whatever you want to call them, that is afraid. And I accept that. And I love that part of myself. Or when I say I love, I try to literally love that part when it comes up. I try and give it the attention that it's asking for, not to change the way I do things, but to accept it. And I wanted to read something Elizabeth Gilbert wrote. Do you uh, mind if I read that? Go, Liz. So, you know, Liz talks a lot about fear, but she talks about um, how she understands fear has a place in her. And she says, I recognize and respect 
that fear you are a part of this family. And so I will never exclude you from our activities. But still, your suggestions will never be followed. You're allowed to have a seat and you're allowed to have a voice, but you are not allowed to have a vote. You're not allowed to touch the roadmaps. You're not allowed to suggest detours. You're not allowed to fiddle with the temperature. Dude, you're not even allowed to touch the radio. But above all else, my dear old familiar friend, you are absolutely forbidden to drive. So basically what she's saying is you belong here, you live in this world with us, but you are not in charge. And that is... Yeah, don't let them drive. That's You can't drive. Like, can I play you a clip that has something to do with fear? Please. So is this cowbell? what i got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell that's it so that's because it's don't fear the reaper that's right i thought there was going to be like something that he said about fear no just don't fear the reaper sweetie, sweetie. how do you feel about blue blue oyster cult I don't think I like any of their songs. Really? Do you know anything else they sing? No. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, so we have our second partner. You can't forget about Dr. John Kelly, who I'm going to visit in just a few short minutes with my two daughters, who are just so excited to go <laughs> see the dentist after school, after they've been in school all day. I know. Cameron's like, I have to go to the dentist at four. I know. Isn't her life hard? Uh, well, and I said, honey, the the more I said, the more dentist appointments you go to, the faster, faster. you'll be done. And yeah. she's like, sure doesn't feel yeah. that way. There, she's like, whatever, mom. Whatever. I just need to go there today. That's all I know. <laughs> so uh, Comprehensive Dentistry, he was one of our amazing partners at the show, at the conference, and at ChicagoDentistOnline.com. Check him out if you want to know more about all of his wonderful support and stuff he does. Um, listener question. You ready? I'm ready, steady. Let me see if I can find it. Where are you, listener question? Well, first of all, this is an update. Remember we had that lady who was in Missouri and she was kind of down on her luck and she couldn't find a good job and... She felt alone. She felt alone. Yeah, I remember. Well, one is one of our amazing listeners said, you know what? I totally feel for this lady. I connected with her. Is there anything I can do to help? How about I send her to the conference? Oh, wow. Or um, if not, maybe I can have you, Todd, be her coach for a few sessions. Well, the conference was out of the equation because it was too far away because she lives in Missouri. But I'm planning to coach her for at least two or three sessions. And this listener, anonymous listener, I'll call her, even though I know her email, uh, said, just, char just bill me. Wow. Isn't that awesome? That's Talk about paying it forward. Yes, Jeez. exactly. So she, um, she, but this woman who wrote the initial uh, email that when she was struggling, she said, Todd, wonderful strides in such a sh short amount of time. She is going to a doula workshop. Nice. She does yoga download. She's pra practicing yoga with her husband and um, she's just in a much better place. So Yay. It's a good update. You didn't tell me that. I know. I surprised you. That is cool. So here's a listener question. Todd, you may be happy to hear that a result. No, that's the other one. Okay, listener question. I really need some help. I am a calmer, more peaceful, more compassionate person now. I think it's because she's earlier in the email she likes to listen to the show. But I'm having a lot of difficulties 
dealing with those around me who are not. Mm, yeah. I am more sensitive than ever to cri- criticism of others, more sensitive than ever to judgment. Could you pretty please, with a cherry on top, do a show on how I can deal with negativity around me without wanting to change the people around me? I hope so. Thank you. Yeah. That's a really good question. I feel like we've talked about it on the show, but I don't remember what we said. Well, I will say this. I want to tell her that because of what she just wrote, I know she's on the right track, and this is why. Hmm. The more open-hearted and peaceful and aware you become, the more you recognize other people's negativity. And the more you often initially feel very inundated by other people's negativity. When you start to live your life with an open heart and you are not so closed off, people can hurt you more. Now, and when I say that, I don't mean that is how it'll be forever because then you build new tools and new awarenesses that are a little more protective. But initially when you kind of open up to the world, think about it, Todd, like think about you're walking around in a, you know, in a blizzard and you've got a coat over your head and you're all protected. And so you're like, okay, I don't feel this. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to open my heart and open my coat and open myself to the world. It can be a little overwhelming initially. I mean, you've seen me in some pretty dark places before because of that, where I've been like- 612 South Fern. That's right. Where I really had some huge openings, huge awarenesses, dropped a lot of baggage. And then after that, I was really sensitive. I mean, I was like, I felt raw to the world. That would probably be the best way I could say it is I felt like everything bothered me. Not bothered me like I was mad, but that it was affected, scary. Affected yes. by you. Affected. Whereas before, if you have your coat on, you're not affected, you're not affected by affected. anything. Or you're affected, but it takes a lot to get there. So already I know she's on the right track. So my thought is that first of all, yay. Second of all, now it's time to develop some new tools. Um, now it's time to recognize and differentiate between what's yours and what's theirs. It's time to practice recognizing when they are coming at you with words or with criticisms or with their own fear about the world that you don't have to pick it up. You literally don't have to process it inside your body. And this is something that I know so well because <laughs> As a therapist, as a coach, and this is previous, I'm, I'm doing much better with this, but I literally used to take other people's crap and try and process it within my own body and try and figure it out for them and try and make them feel better. And my body cannot process other people's stuff. Yeah. And I'm telling you this too, listener, that you cannot pick up other people's stuff. All you can do is if they're coming at you, you have to, and this is where it becomes such an internal practice. You have to recognize what's happening. You have to take a deep breath and even say a mantra inside your head, not mine. I actually, before I talk to people, because I still do one-on-one with people occasionally, I will sit down and have a vision of white light around me and that the only thing that can penetrate it is love either way, but nothing negative can get through because I cannot pick up other people's stuff. I don't want to, at least. I do sometimes. Um by accident. Right. But most of the time I'm I'm attempting to not. So what I'm telling you is I know those sound like really kind of, I don't know if they they sound esoteric or sound woo-woo, but you really have to start developing an internal practice because to your point, you can't control them. You can't tell them how to think. You can't tell them what to say. All you can do is practice your own self-care. All you can do, and now on the same note, 
you can also remove yourself from situations that are toxic. Yeah. If you are at a dinner party and everybody's gossiping or being negative or talking about the news, you can leave early. There are some very literal, practical things that I know Todd would probably add in here. Um, but if you are in situations like with family members or with, you know, where you can't literally physically remove yourself, then there's the practice. You you have to come up with ways to protect your internal um, wellness. Yeah. Does that sound right, Todd? I mean, I know it does to me, but you sometimes have a more practical ear. How would you, how else would you explain? No, I think you, I mean, maybe it makes sense to me because I've heard you talk about this so often, but yeah. no, I think it's, you have to have an intention going in, you know, a literal intention, like sending a light around you or saying, I'm not going to, you know, this person is an energy vampire and I'm not going to let this person... Suck my energy yes. out. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, you... And the other practical part is, you know, to get triggered really isn't helping any situation at all in the first place. Right. So just know that if you do are if you are sensitive and you do get triggered, just know it's not helping you, the person, the situation, those around you. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't. And if and because we don't know this whole story, if it's the same person who's triggering you, or it's a lot of different people that are triggering the same thing in you, then that's your work. Yeah. They may also that's be an invitation. You. Like, oh, this is something I need to work on. Exactly. Like they may be demonstrating to you the thing you need to focus in on. And when I say focus in on, like it's inside of you because triggers only occur when you're you're already carrying something. Yeah. Like if you're not if you don't feel a certain way about a certain thing they're saying, then you have no trigger. Yeah. But there's something that they're saying to you that affects you. So if it's just theirs, then do something to be protective. But if they're saying something that you're like, why does that continually bother me? Then you go inside and take a look at that and, you know, do some journaling, talking about it, um, or just being coming aware of it. Yeah. First step is always awareness. Correct. Um, we are going to have a Friday show, and we are going to have uh, Bill. He is the creator of a website that we use called FamZoo, and it's all about uh, personal financial management in regards to your children. And it's something I jumped on. And this is a quick little preview of our interview. So the entire interview will be available on Friday, but I want to give you just a quick preview of it. So this is me asking Bill a question and his 30-second uh, response. So. Some very simple concepts like the magic of compound interest. These are very simple things that I think a lot of us adults don't even begin to understand the power and the knowledge of that. Um, do you feel that that is uh, something that's missing in even many adults, much less the children? Well, definitely. And, and when it comes to kids, let's take the example of compound interest. If you're only recourse to teach your kid is uh, compound interest is a traditional savings account, well, those interest rates are near zero. So, you know, it's not going to be wholly compelling to a kid if you take that birthday check, go put it somewhere in a, in a traditional savings account, and then maybe at the end of the year, you remember to tell your kid that they made a penny. Mm -hmm. I mean, th does that incent them to save? I don't think so. So what we have on our accounts is what we call parent paid interest, where the parent creates the interest rate. And I pay my kids an outrageously awesome interest rate. And I, I deliver it weekly so that they get a text message every week that says you saved, you know, 23 cents uh, or excuse me, you earned, you know, 23 cents in interest this week because. So that is uh, Bill. So if you're interested in more about uh, teaching your kids sound money management strategies, you definitely want to hear Friday's show. The last thing I wanted to talk about 
just a few minutes, is a lot of people were asking us this weekend if we were really scared or nervous or anxious about the entire thing. And we were excited, maybe a little bit nervous, but really it wasn't overwhelming Mm -hmm. to either one of us. And you are the one who brought this up, but I completely agree with you. It's because we didn't put on an act. We simply, I was the same clown, but yet teacher, fun, yet serious person as I am in my kitchen or with my friends or in on a stage in front of a group of people. Yeah. And that's what made the weekend better. Yes. Because we were completely ourselves. Yes. So there was nothing we had to memorize. There was no way we had to act. There was nothing we had to show. There was nothing we had to put on. And so that to Todd's point, people kept saying, aren't you nervous? Aren't you overwhelmed? What's there to be overwhelmed about when you're just showing up as yourself? And it's just a metaphor for the bigger picture of life. It, it's not just, oh, you know, Todd and I have to do this we have to show up as ourselves with our kids. We have to show up as ourselves when we do other kinds of work or when we're with our birth families or or when we're anywhere. This was just another opportunity to to show up and know that the alternative would be so much worse. Then I would have been really nervous. Yes. And the lesson to be learned is just be yourself and you're all good. Yeah. Because we also know in your speech, in your keynote at the end of the conference, your presentation, how much of what you intended to say did you actually say? I didn't know what I was going to say. But didn't you have some ideas? Because you said to me a few times, like, I know I wanted to say this, but I didn't say it. Oh, I see what you're trying to say. Absolutely. Like, there were some quotes that I had about fear. There were some things I was going to say about remembering, because that's basically what I was talking about. And none of them got said. Yeah. Yeah, I I just kind of went with it. And you're okay with it. Yeah. Because the only person who knew what you wanted to say was you, so the audience could care less of what you intended to say. What they care about is what you said, and what you said was good. And I would love for you to make that movie quote montage available. <laughs> can you do that? Are we I gonna... don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I can. I don't think I can because when I'm teaching, I can use... But movies. Aren't we teaching on the internet? But then it becomes on the internets. Internets. It becomes public. This was like a teaching experience, and I have every right to use. Got it. It's it's called. So fair, you have to come back next use. year. Yeah, you have to see things live. But what I was going to say was, I, a girlfriend of mine asked me about that. Like, did you practice this or that? And I'm like, no. Um, you just kind of go up there and say things, and that you have to trust that if you didn't say something, then maybe it wasn't needed. Like a lot of times we think, ooh, I'm going to say this really smart and cool thing. I'm going to put this quote out here and people will think I'm really brave and smart. And the truth is, if you didn't say it, it's because it wasn't necessary. And if you did say it, it may not come off nearly as good as you thought yeah. it might anyways. Just because I think it sounds smart doesn't mean other people will. So just be yourself. That's it, That's baby. all I got to say. The last thing yeah. is our third partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, avidco.net, 630-956-1800. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, um, because we're finishing on that note of be yourself and be who you are, and we talked a little bit about Mary-Kate in the conference, why don't you play oh. Kathy's song to close out the show? If I can find it, so much for that Zen parenting music. See you, security lines. Oh, we'll play the Zen parenting music again because that's our music. That's our tune. Yeah, you can hear that next Friday for the big 
FAMZU interview. That's actually a really good interview. Yeah, it is. I, I'm not always as excited about financial pieces of life. I, it's not that I don't think it's important. It's that I don't get excited the way Todd does. But he, this guy who made this whole FAMZU thing is really helping families with how to teach financial awareness. Like, he's, he's the goods. That's right. Did you find it? Working on it. All right. Here it comes. Patience. So Kathy sang this at the conference this weekend, and I just fit perfectly into our theme. So just listen to the words and enjoy. And again, thanks to all who showed up, and thanks to those who listen. We appreciate you more than you know. And keep trucking. Keep trucking. That's our show, friends. Hope you felt outstanding. Remember, if you're part of an organization looking for speakers, both Kathy and I would love to be considered for your next event. If you're interested in any of Kathy's three award-winning books, you can purchase through our website or through Amazon. We also do local presentations, virtual retreats, and movie screenings, which can be found by clicking on the Events tab of our webpage. You can email us at comments at zenparentingradio.com or you can record a voicemail by clicking on the send us a voice message link on our homepage with comments or questions. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you're interested in the tribe, the monthly men's group that I co-facilitate, you can go to thetribemensgroup.com for more details. Lastly, and most importantly, a special thanks to our three partners, Avid Company, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and John J. Kelly Dentistry. If you own a business and are interested in partnering with us, please send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. We're grateful for your support and encouragement. We only ask that you give the same to yourself and the people you love most. Until next time. Mm-hmm.